This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that reveals a little bit more about history every day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about a breakthrough form of espionage from the Revolutionary War, a new kind of invisible ink that only one side knew how to use. The day was November 29th, 1775. Physician and amateur chemist James Jay invented a new kind of invisible ink, which was later put to use in the American War of Independence. From the 1750s until the start of the war, Jay had studied and practiced medicine in Great Britain. When the war broke out in the colonies, he used his new invisible ink to correspond with John Jay, an American patriot, and his more famous younger brother. Eventually, with James' blessing, John Jay offered his brother's ink to General George Washington, who immediately put it to use in the famous Culper spy ring. During the Revolutionary War, both combatants used invisible ink. British soldiers would dip their quills in something acidic like lime juice, lemon juice, or vinegar, and then write secret messages between the lines of seemingly mundane letters. The hidden writing would only appear if the recipient did one of two things, either hold the letter over the flame of a candle, or treat the paper with a chemical substance such as sodium carbonate. These methods worked because the acidic ink would weaken the fibers of the paper, so that when heat or acid was applied, the weakened fibers would turn brown faster than the fibers that hadn't touched the ink. The main problem with these types of invisible ink was that both sides knew how to use them. If a letter was intercepted and the enemy suspected it might contain a hidden message, they knew exactly how to check. In fact, one British intelligence officer made it even easier to tell. He instructed his agents to mark the corner of their correspondence with either an A or an F. This told the recipient, or the interceptor, exactly how to make the secret message appear, with acid or with fire. James J. recognized that most invisible ink formulas had become too common to be effective. To combat the problem, he developed his own unique recipe for ink, one that could only be activated by a specific corresponding reagent. It didn't matter how much heat or sodium carbonate you tried, without knowing Jay's exact formula, his invisible ink would stay invisible. When George Washington heard of this new form of invisible ink, he couldn't contain his excitement. He wrote a letter to a lawyer and statesman named Elias Boudino, singing the praises of what he referred to as sympathetic stain. Washington giddily wrote, quote, It is in my power, I believe, to procure a liquid which nothing but a counter liquor, rubbed over the paper afterwards, can make legible. Fire, which will bring out lime juice, milk, and other things of this kind to light, has no effect on it. A letter upon trivial matters of business written in common ink may be fitted with important intelligence which cannot be discovered without the counterpart. 
Shortly after, James J. began exporting small quantities of his invisible ink to Washington and to the Continental Army's spy master, Major Benjamin Talmadge. He and the general would then pass the ink along to their secret agents in British-occupied New York City. They encouraged the agents to write their hidden messages in the blank pages of books and pamphlets in order to make them less suspicious. There was never as much of Jay's ink as they would have liked, but the amount they had, alongside their aliases and various forms of code writing, was enough to get them all the way through the war without being caught. So what exactly was in James Jay's mysterious white ink, or the medicine, as Washington would later refer to it in letters? Jay never revealed the chemical composition of his formula. After all, writing it down would have increased the risk of an outsider figuring out how to use it. However, in the 1930s, Dr. Lodwick Bendixson performed ultraviolet and infrared tests on letters written using Jay's invisible ink. The analysis revealed it to be a solution made from the tannic acid of gall nuts. What's a gall nut? It's not a nut, but essentially a wooden cocoon. When a wasp lays its eggs on the branches of an oak tree, the tree defends itself by entombing the eggs within a big woody growth, known as a gallnut. As for the substance used to reveal Jay's invisible ink, the test showed it to be ferrous sulfate, a soil additive used to lower the pH of soil. Kudos to James Jay for coming up with that pairing. No way were the British going to crack that one. Jay's invisible ink helped deliver valuable strategic information to Washington and his allies but the inventor was never paid for his contribution to the war effort. In 1808, long after the war had been won, Jay appealed for payment to President Thomas Jefferson and to Congress. He requested $20,000 in recognition of his services, claiming that his ink formula had proven invaluable and would surely be of even more use in the future. Congress was split on the matter. Some felt Jay was owed the money, while others said it was, quote, absurd to vote away money for a thing they did not and could not understand. In the end, Congress sided with Jay, declaring, quote, that it shall be lawful for the President of the United States to obtain, by purchase, at a reasonable price, the exclusive right, on behalf of the public, of the system invented by Sir James Jay, as submitted by him to the Executive Department of Government, provided, in the opinion of the President, it will be of public utility and importance to possess the same. In other words, if President Jefferson wanted to pay James Jay for the rights to his invisible ink, Congress would have no objection. But apparently that's not something Jefferson wanted to do. The subject was broached again in 1813, but the Senate voted down the measure. James J. died two years later, never compensated for his efforts. His contributions to the nation were lasting, but appreciation for them disappeared fast. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. 
If you liked what you heard, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.